I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to The Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode of The Dairy Edge Podcast, John O'Connell from County Leitrim gives us the farmer experience of contract rearing. But first, advisor Tom Call explains the evolution of contract rearing as a profitable enterprise in the Northwest. Well, the group was formed in 2015 um, in, across Sligo and Leitrim. So we currently have 19 farmers rearing over 2,000 dairy heifers. Uh, the numbers reared in individual farms ranges from where John started off at 30 heifers up to some of the more established farms where they're rearing up to 300 heifers. Uh, the age at which the heifers arrive on the farm varies. Some lads are, are rearing them from three weeks of age. Uh, some farmers prefer to get them in weaned 12 weeks and others get them in uh, at nine months of age. Initially, some members of uh, summer grazed heifers uh, before moving on to longer term contracts. Uh, in general, most contracts consist of, of one owner rearing for uh, one dairy or one rare rearing for one dairy farmer, but we have some rares that, that rare for uh, more than one dairy farmer, and we have some dairy farmers who engage uh, more than one uh, rare to rare the, the heifers for them. Um, and I guess, you know, just briefly in terms of the cost, is there a massive cost difference if you're taking a heifer calf in at three weeks age, you know, compared to 12 weeks age of age? Yeah, but if you look at the, at the costings, the, the main costings to rare a, a heifer uh, are the ones that were produced uh, at Moor Park and at Ballyhays, and that's somewhere around um, uh, €1,550, Euro, uh, including that's the value of the, of the calf herself. Like, so there's five stages of rearing that, that heifer. Um, the two costliest stages are the initial stage up to weaning and the second winter. So most of our lads are uh, are rearing the heifers. The the other three stages, which is the first summer grass, um, the first winter housing period, and the second summer grass. So um, th- there's a big variation whether you're taking the animals in at the other two stages, like or the three maybe least cost stages. And just moving on then and picking up on another point that you mentioned, some rearers have heifer calves from more than one farm. Is that a challenge, you know, in terms of disease risk and performance among the different farmers? Yeah, of course it is. Like, and, and it's not something that probably not a lot of farmers do in it. Like, but with the, with the scale that some dairy or rares are at now, um, unless they can get matched up from a very big dairy farmer, then they probably have to take in from more than one dairy farmer. So the first stage there is to talk to the to the DVO, the biggest challenge, I suppose, is TB and movements. Like, um, but this other, they should also do a plan with their with their own local vet, and the dairy farmer should also be doing a plan with his local vet as well as to vaccinations and what the disease risks are there from numerous diseases that's out there. Like, so vaccination can, a good vaccination program can you know, cover a lot of those areas. And then. If we look at the discussion group, um, I, like I know typically in a lot of dairy discussion groups, the first 15 or 20 minutes, you know, there's a whip around discussing current milk yield, grass figures. What sort of things do you discuss at a contract rearing discussion group? Well, a lot of our, our, our topics are, are based on, on uh, getting those heifers reared uh, uh, basically as economically as possible. Again, farmers adopting technology. And I suppose we're, we're in an area where... Um, the farms are, are mainly heavy farms, like but with the lighter animals, we can look now look at, at getting you know, increasing the number of days of grass, 
uh, paddock systems best utilizing grass um, farmers will be focused in on making top quality silage and we're, maybe we're not talking about 70 72 dmd silage we're talking about 75 76 78 dmd silage like that's what they're currently making to carry those heifers through the winter as economically as possible but uh, like dairy groups like the would be whip round, like these lads are very interested in the growth rates you know of, of so they do regular weigh-ins and we can look at those at group meetings um, we can look at uh, scanning results, you know, various you know, the general topics that on uh, any topic related with uh, getting you know, achieving the targets. The targets are we we have explained to the to the to, we have visited dairy farms and, and and looked at you know why the targets are so important to the overall lifetime performance of, of those heifers going onto those farms. So the lads in the group are, are very aware of why they need to hit the targets, like and the repercussions that can have for the lifetime performance of the heifers that they don't hit. And when we look at John's situation, um, John O'Connell is extremely positive about his farm business and the impact of contract rearing on his farm business. What are the challenges from the rearer's perspective that you see across the group? Yeah, the main challenge, the main overriding point that most of the group members would 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 say was uh, maybe a stumbling block was um, looking at the, at the heifers when they come in first on the farms. Like there will be a certain percentage of them, be it ten, twenty percent. That are under target when they get them in in the first place. So, uh, for a lot of those farmers, we kind of say it's, it's, it's like tight walking a tightrope. Like they, they, they have to trust the dairy farmer that he put enough beasts into that animal in the first hour or two of his life that that animal didn't get sick in the first uh, six or eight or ten, twelve weeks of his life. Didn't get an outbreak of pneumonia, which he might be running on half a lung or and that, and just won't perform. You know, so. It's a, it's a kind of step in the dark and it's, it's trust, but that trust builds up over over a time period. And for some of the rares have got to the stage that, you know, those bottom 10% of heifers coming in, there'll probably be a, a different target for those. Or maybe that bottom 10% won't arrive on the farm at all, like, you know, because uh, our lads are, are in the rearing group are encouraged to go and, and look at the heifers before they actually come onto the farm, visit the dairy farm, and the dairy farm will, will visit the obviously visit the contract rearers farm as well. You mentioned the the contract rearers are in Leitrim Sligo area. Where are the heifers coming from? So the heifers are coming from um, from Louth, Meath, uh, Roscommon, Longford, uh, Mayo, and as far south as uh, Cork and uh, Kilkenny. And I guess, is there scope to increase? You mentioned they're rearing in excess of 2,000 heifers currently. Is there scope on these farms to increase their heifer rearing capacity? And are there more in the Sligo Leitrim area looking uh, to rear heifers? Yeah, there's more farmers looking to get into, into contract rearing. So the demand for uh, heifers far uh, exceeds uh, the, the supply and finally just to pick up um, a lot of people talk about the importance of the contract how, how important is it for you yeah the, the contract is critical like the, the, the two farmers sit down with an intermediary person and they cover all possibilities like you know nobody wants to when they meet up first nobody wants to talk about if an animal dies like or what happens in that case or animals don't hit the targets so they have to set the targets um they Weighing targets, um, how often animals are weighed, when they're vaccinated, when their AI starts, if they're using a heat synchronization program, who supplies AI straws, what the basically the important one, what the what the rates are, so even as down as far as animal insurance, <clears throat> so every aspect has to be covered in that contract, and to, and uh, 
and and the two farmers have to agree on it like and that's that's a very good starting point um if, if they agree on it but an intermediary needs to be with them when they're drawn up the contract as well if things things obviously the how there's going to be a bump on the road and generally that occurs in the first year and how you get over that bump that's where the intermediary plays his part like you know and and as you say you know, being able to fall back on a good contract that includes all aspects of the contract rearing process, you know, will cover that and, you know, it, 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 you can fall back on it. That's great. Thank you, Tom. So, John, can you give us an outline of the evolution of your farm from where you've come to, from, you know, starting off on day one to where you are today? Yeah. So, basically, I started farming in the mid to late 80s, took over the farm from my father. Um, we were... Um, milking 30 cows, 35 cows, and rearing all calves right through. The farm, more or less the same acreage has been farmed all through the years, and that hasn't changed at all. But I continued milking for around 10 to 12 years, and after that, because of quota restrictions and land restrictions, I decided the milking wasn't for me. So the cows went in roughly 99, 2000, and then I went into sucked cows. Sucked cows worked for five ten years and more or less after ten years when I sat down and done the profit monitor for three years consecutively with uh, my local Chagas advisor I realized that the small number of sheep I had on a per hectare basis were leaving me an awful lot more money than the sucker cows so the sucker cows had to go and what was killing me there was the long winters heavy ground heavy continental sucker cows that wasn't working so roughly in 2012, 2013, the suckler cows went and moved up in numbers. I moved up in sheep numbers from 80 O's up to 240 O's. And that's where I sat until uh, 2015, where I went into the contract rear and then in 2015. And I guess, you know, you've made a lot of changes moving from dairy into dry stock and then back into dairy again with the contract rearing. How hard or difficult did you find that decision? It was relatively easy. The transition going from uh, the basically with the sheep going into the contract rearing, that wasn't a major issue. There was very little expenditure in that regard because a lot of the buildings were there, and it was in some ways that's why the contract rearing suited so much because the the buildings were there. I had moved up obviously in your numbers that was costly moving up in your numbers and the sheds had to be uh, rearranged and facilities had to be organised in order to move up in sheep numbers. That wasn't that was definitely an issue, but to go from the contract rearing, um, it wasn't a problem because all the sheds were there in place. There was there was lots of housing available, and I suppose that's that's how I got into the contract rearing, in that I couldn't expand any more sheep numbers without investing heavily in more sheds for sheep. There was sheds there suitable for cattle, and it was a, a no-brainer to try and give it a go. So the, that's how the contract rearing started for me. And where did the idea of contracting for your farm come from? Well, it was an idea, a suggestion from the, my Chagas advisor. You know, we were at 240 euros. I didn't want to go back into suckler cows. I was utilising more grass. I was growing more grass between being involved with pasture base. I could see I was able to grow the grass and I was utilising it. So I had all this excess grass. Um, I didn't want to go up in your numbers. The sheds were there, they were available, there wasn't going to be a big expenditure and basically my local Chagas advisor said maybe we should give this a shot and we can go and work on that and that's that's how it started the contract rear. And talk through how it has worked for you for the last few years. Has it been a positive move for your overall farm business? Without a shadow of a doubt. I wouldn't go back and if it was a case that the contract rear and option wasn't there in the morning, it wouldn't be that I'd go back to sucklers. Definitely not. The, the beef end of it wouldn't suit. 
there was a little bit apprehensive when I started into it, definitely, because you're basically looking after someone else's cattle. Now, I had been involved for the last 20 years in a small bit of B&B cattle in the shed, so I was used to looking after somebody else's cattle. So maybe, for me, it was a little bit easier in that I was used to having a certain number of cattle during the winter months and looking after them for someone else. But definitely, you're taking on someone else's future um, heifers, and these are high-index heifers. They're very, very valuable heifers. You want to make sure you do the thing right. Like when I got into it and when the heifers arrived the very first day, I must have looked at them 10, 12 times in the shed to make sure they were all right. Um, but once you settle into it and after a few weeks, and any of the guys that have went into it would say the same thing, you know, once you settle into it, it's not an issue. You get used to it and it more or less, it sits very well for me with the sheep. It works well with it, you know. And in terms of the farm business, what are the important things that drive, I suppose, the performance of the animals and profitability for you? The first thing that springs to mind is good grassland management and top quality silage. If you haven't got that, um, apart from infrastructure, obviously fencing and paddocks and being able to organise your paddocks properly, that's back to your grassland management. But if you haven't got that in place, um, you're not going to be successful at it. You want to get that part right so as you can try and minimise concentrate costs. If you have to be putting a lot of concentrates into them, Basically, you won't be making any money out of it, and that's the bottom line. And then, um, you're a, men, a member of Tom's discussion group. Um, talk through how that has benefited you on the uh, contract rearing journey. So, I was involved actually from the, from more or less the inception of the, the contract rearing group. I got involved, involved in the very beginning because we actually met up with a guy that had been contract rearing for uh, since 2010. And so myself and maybe one or other two other guys, along with Tom, went to meet this guy. And that's more or less our first meeting with it. That's how the group started. Now the group has grown to, to 20 farmers and we're all actively contract rearing heifers. Um, it's great. We meet up four or five times a year. We, have, we host a meeting on somebody's farm within the group. We throw out ideas, problems we might have had encountered during the year. What's working for one guy and not working for somebody else. There's a, a, it's in some ways, you could say there's a competitive nature involved in it to a certain extent. It's interesting to see how some other guy is doing it and you think, well, if he can achieve them targets, maybe I should be achieving them targets too. Um, but it's very healthy. Like the group, the discussions we have, very, very good. And like regardless of when we go to a meeting or when the discussion takes place, we always bring something home from it, you know. And my final question then to you, John, what are the most important elements that you included in your contract with the dairy farmer? Well, one thing that's very important that the heifers come in on target. Um, that's important. We, we draw up a health plan, so we do that with, with, with the farmer. And there has to be a mediator there, someone that will be prepared to, in case there's any problems, it's very important to draw up a written contract. You don't need a solicitor. It doesn't have to be that fancy. But it's important to have a written contract to safeguard both yourself and the dairy farmer. Um, targets are important, how often during the year the heifers are going to be weighed, who pays the costs of vaccines, AI in the heifers, um, dosing the heifers, uh, weighing the heifers, any um, costs that are involved during the year, who pays for them, does he pay for this or that, um, does he, how often does he come out to look at the heifers, um, does he have to give me notice of before he comes down to look at the heifers, have we decided on conception rates, whether there should be 90% in calf after the first three weeks or whether they use a bull or not? If the bull has been used, does he provide the bull? 
if we're AIM for the first three weeks, if we're going to synchronise them, who pays for that? So there's a lot of different, a lot of different things to be taken into account that way. But all of that is written into the contract, and the contract is there. It's more or less a, a template. But you can deviate from it a little bit, but it's there to safeguard both parties, and it's crucially important to have that in place. You know? Excellent. So just to recap on that, the the really important elements would be, I suppose, what's included in terms of the costs, who pays for yeah. what, and then set targets. And it might be target weight or you know conception rates in terms of fertility. That's great. Thank you, John. Lovely. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Tom Call and John O'Connell for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.